Hello and welcome to Orange Source Soul. My name is Elvis and as always, I'm your host. This will be kind of a long episode. We have a bunch of things to talk about, a couple of news topics and also some really great episodes. So let's just get on with the talk of the town this week and that is the reveal of Tom King's long-anticipated and long-dreaded Watchmen project, which turns out to be yet another Rorschach book. And we all remember the instant classic the Azarello book was, right? The difference being is that Azarello has at least written some varied things in the past, but I'm actively struggling to name even a single thing that Tom King has written solo that has ever been worth reading. This just seems like the perfect evolution of a mediocre writer with basically no talent being told he's an exile and more. Of course they would have him do a Watchmen spinoff. It's funny just to think that out of all the spinoffs that DC has done, the only good one was Minutemen by the amazing Darwin Cook. And even that one was only ever just pretty decent. My only hope is that this is finally the straw that breaks the camel's back and helps people realize that Tom King is a hack. Who am I kidding? Other news includes the official announcement and some preview pages for the second volume of Russell's Second Coming series, which I am passing on because of how god-awful the first volume was. It's a great idea, some decent subplots, but overall just an uninteresting weight around its neck that sank it like an anchor. It felt like a first draft that he never even went back to correct or proofread or even put any thought into. I'll be sticking with Billionaire Island, which is a lot more up to Russell's par. Oh, and finally, Sean Gordon Murphy has taken a leave of absence from Twitter, much to the mockery of everyone who can see through his veil of it being due to the workload. When the truth of it is that he's been kind of been in on the Comicsgate grift tangent, I'm surprised this didn't happen when he and Doug Tenepel stabbed each other in the back in front of Jim Lee, which is a memory I will never forget. Anyway, let's move on to what I read this week. First off, we have Death Metal number two, and I'll just get this out of the way. This was a lot less aggravatingly dumb in how it was told than the first issue. What I mean by that is that at the very least, it's not a patchwork issue full of nonsensical vignettes, wank, wannabe campiness, all framed by some of the worst Sar Sergeant Rock writing in history. It's simple, it's straightforward, and it's understandable. By that same token, what this means is that it becomes very clear how much nothing is going on. It's a nothing story with nothing stakes and absolutely no engagement. It's just ideas that Snyder thinks are cool and radical and that's it. It's just a string of those ideas, all spotlighted, but none earned, developed, or even in the very least, bit clever. It would be tiresome if it wasn't so bland, like it's just a barrage of hey it's a monster truck version of Batman, or hey it's JSA, or hey it's the tomb of every hero who's ever existed, or hey it's Dr. Bat Haddon who called himself the Darkest Knight. But when you get right down to it, it's just, just Wonder Woman and Batman exchanging old, dustied, cliched platitudes to each other. Like I said, it's more palatable than the first issue, but it only highlights everything that's being wasted here. Seeing Jay Garrick interact with Barry and Wally again, wasted. Seeing a vast crisis style story here wasted it's just insane things being thrown at the wall and it doesn't even matter if any of them stick he just keeps doing it and none of them are ever getting the actual attention and care and development they deserve overall two from his middle next up we have strange adventures number three which you know mr miracle might have been terrible mind-numbing insulting and a waste of time and money but at the very least it was something it tried to say something it was a little personal a little intimate it was god-awful and aggravating but there was something of a passion there strange adventures is just dull there's no intrigue or suspense or tension to the modern day mystery plot and shader is wasted on the ron flashbacks especially in this issue where it's just some old school flash gordon style space swords and sandal type stuff but somehow king is able to both underwrite and overwrite it, completely smothering the excitement and nostalgia embedded in that concept, but also not really delving into the complexities he's doing that same smothering with. It just feels paint by numbers, with no momentum in either the characters, plot, or drama. It just exists, but somehow it's 
still getting a lot of traction. Maybe this guy is just untouchable. Overall, two thumbs middle. And honestly, I wish I could say more about it because Tom King, as much as I detect and as much as I believe he has no talent, at the very least, he used to be interesting to discuss. Moving ahead, we have Metalman number 8, and this was just a wonderful reprieve from everything else they see that I read this week. The Dio and Davis continue to put out a fun, exciting, and thoroughly investing story that rides the fine line between grunted drama and outright cartoonishness. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, but the Dio is the writer that Tom King desperately wishes he was. It's a great compromise and balance between what the Metalman tone and world should be, but also where these arcs and developments are digging into with the characters. You have silly gags like some of the metals being employed as a roller coaster on Coney Island's boardwalk, but also having that juxtapose the characters ruminating on their sentience and very existence. It works because they go hand in hand, with neither trying to upend or negate the other. It leads to a fun, bright, but also harsh and well-earned dramatic read. Even the payoffs of the gas gang and chemo come at stark contrast, but they only underline and put into relief the purpose and heroism of the middlemen themselves, and why they are who they are not what they are. It's thrilling, and that thrill that I scarcely experience in DC anymore. I'm going to be very sorry when this maxi is finally finished, because out of everybody, I did not expect the deal to write a middleman story where Kemal is actually thoroughly frightening and pretty intense and eerie. So kudos to them. Overall, two thumbs up. And lastly, we have the Immortal Hulk number 35. This is part one of the beginning of the end for Ewing's grand plan. The first half of the leader's initial assault on the Hulk and everything he loves. And boy, does it live up to the horrifying, somber, and tragic hype. It's maybe an issue that hits the hardest because it has so many of the hallmarks of a nicely cathartic breather issue. Savage Hulk is back, he's enjoying the light, and he even looks like he did back in the Busiema days. It feels very return to form, very comfy and nostalgic, like... We've reached the end of the tunnel after everything that's been going on in the past few issues. Savage even gets a good Hulk PR quip in just to sell it as part of the good old days, which makes the leader's attack all that more devastating and awful. This issue actually made me feel bad. It made my heart sink. It's powerful, intense stuff, and I'm glad that it exists. It's opened a door for such an exciting endgame because I still cannot believe that the leader could be so smart and yet not understand that hurting Savage and those he cares about can only make the Hulk angrier, and that has a huge hole in his plan. There's also some wonderful stuff with Joe embedding this issue that I still really hope we get some payoff for before this run ends. Because as much as I like Joe in his banner form, I really do hope we get a full-on gray out. Overall, two thumbs up. Moving ahead, we have what I watched this week with first Stargirl episode 8, Brainwave. This was a fun episode. Like I said last week, I'm not going to let the news that this series is going down the drain stop me from getting what little enjoyment I can from the rest of the season. What really shines about this episode is, yet again, the rather compelling development of Brainwave Jr. and how he's grappling with his new powers and the reality that he knew that is being shattered. It's rather quite enrapturing to see him drift through and try to get a grip on himself while being assaulted by just the random horrible everyday thoughts that he hears. Watching him go back and forth between seeing the good and others and knowing them at their worst gets should get tiring and overwrought, but the episode is able to coordinate it enough that it punctuates just this already intense character arc. Other highlights include, once again, Pat's engaging adventures with his marriage, and just how empathetic the character can be. It's just a shame that it comes at the cost of Courtney herself being incredibly unsympathetic. While Pat is trying to keep his wife and her mother an equal partner in their marriage and in the relationship, which she deserves, Courtney just foolishly and selfishly ruining every chance at that. It's annoying as hell, because as the stakes get higher, this is something that they should be trying to get an understanding with as a family. So she's basically just a plot device roadblock in her own show. The rest of the JSA are no better. More just hard-headed and impulsive actions without any real grounding or common sense. 
except for where they dovetail into Brainwave Jr.'s development. So stuff like Brainwave Jr. getting more in touch with his father and bonding with him set to insane in the brain is really where the show is at its peak emotionally right now. It's still pretty shaky, but overall, as we reach the end, the show has remained well consistent. And, you know, I still really enjoy it, and I can't wait to see where the payoffs to these character arcs are headed. Overall, one thumb middle, one thumb up. And lastly, we have Doom Patrol Episode 5, Finger Patrol. And this was an incredible episode. In contrast to last week, which felt like it didn't know how to handle the mix between the goofiness and the hard-hitting character drama, this episode is all about the character drama. Even in the subplots that don't really seem like it, this episode takes almost every character into some tense and even obscene places. When you drop the half of the episode that is usually relegated to being fantastical, I guess it allows for more time to really play around with what makes the characters tick. So we get some catharsis and tragedy with Larry, just straight up unraveling with Rita, a whole mess of emotions and neurosis with Cliff, and some sweet recapitulation with Cyborg. All ingredients will make this an insanely engaging and potent stew. Top it all off with a fraught and frightening scene where Jane's baby doll personality and Dorothy come into direct conflict. Something so obvious and predictable that seeing it unfold just leaves you on the edge of your seat that it makes it land a hell of a punch. I was riveted and in awe at just some of the horrible decisions being made by every single character. I'm excited to see what's going to happen with Robot Man as he almost fetishly steals someone's finger and just the consequences of what's going on with Dorothy and what that means for Jane. I'm just so invested in where these things are headed. And that's with an episode that is relatively low-key. Like, there is nothing here that is used as a non-sequitur while describing the show. It's, it's a show at its dramatic best, I feel. And all of this can only lead to no good, which is going to keep me coming back for more. And hopefully the brain is on the horizon because I feel like there's some things that are lining up. So overall, two thumbs up. Anyway, that's it for this week. I just want to say thank you so much for everyone out there who's ever sending a question. It means so much to me. I'm still just completely overwhelmed and it's very chaotic over here. So just bear with me and hopefully I can answer the questions in the near future. But I just want to say thank you so much. It means so much to me. And Thank you so much for listening. I'm just so grateful for that. It means like the world. And I want to give a shout out to the cover artist for our show at D-O-T-E-M-C-E. Please check them out. They are amazing and they really deserve all the support they can get. Anyway, thank you again for listening. Hope you have a great week and see you again next time.